Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to The Visible Artist. My name is Sophie Loxton-Lucas, and this week I headed to All Star Press, a three-in-one art gallery design company and print studio in Logan Square, Chicago, to chat to founder Zizou Tasilemko. Originally hailing from England, Zizou graduated from the School of the Art of Institute of Chicago and began his journey of creating and selling prints across the world. Over the past 15 years, he has built his screen print business, curated exhibitions and brought together illustrators, artists, street art, sports fans and designers to create a unique, all-inclusive atmosphere like no other in the city. All Star Press provides opportunities for hundreds of talented artists, both local and international, through the gallery's own exhibition programming and high-profile brand commissions. I was really intrigued to hear more about Zizou's approach to working with artists, how he discovers new talent, what he looks for in an artist for different collaborations, and how he has created his own unique market position in the contemporary art world. I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Hi, Zizu. Thank you so much for having me here. Absolutely. You're more than welcome. So we're sitting here in the All Star Press print studio and gallery space Mm -hmm. in Chicago, which is great to be here. Can you, let's start with you and your background as, you're an artist yourself, aren't you, as well as the gallery founder and director? Sure. I started off as a printer for the most part, came to Chicago to print and then started teaching it in 2000 and seven kind of here and there uh built a studio at the same time and then you know kind of things have just trickled since then and here we are i don't know almost 15 years later Mm. and how would you describe all-star press now all-star is kind of a a little bit of a combination i guess of um of all-star press and fog screens fog screens has always has been kind of a the constant throughout my my uh, career 
and that's kind of the the backbone of the of the business so that's mainly the print studio and then all star is our retail gallery space which is kind of the the front for the whole thing if if that makes sense yeah so on a you know on a social level and on a, a public level we we push you know all star press as the brand mm-hmm. but the workings of it are kind of uh, still the fog screen side of things so we're in the home of both of those yes and at the moment we're in more of the the behind the scenes more of the fog screen side <laughs> this is the the basement the yeah it's fog great basement. <laughs> it, there's a lot to look at in the space it can see like shelves and shelves of your prints and yes all sorts of other and some screens and yep, lots of drawers <laughs> lots of lots of little uh tokens i'm a big collector myself I kind of grew up around lots of visually stimulating objects. It's definitely still very much part of my life. A little story behind lots of little, you know, random things that are placed around the studio and same thing in my house. Have you always been in this space? No. So we've been in this space for five years as of February this year. Prior to that, my gallery retail was separate from my print studio. So the old fog screens used to be in, in uh, on Ashland and North in Bucktown, Wicker Park area. And then my retail at the time from 2012 to 2016 was uh, Gallery F, mm-hmm. uh, which I opened in 2012. So now it's all, it's all together. I see, yes. And that's since 2017. You've really built up quite an impressive arts creative space here. Did you have that in mind when you started? No, probably not. No, I don't think so. My first commercial space on Ashland was too big for me to like rent by myself at the time. Mm-hmm. So I had to have other people there. And and inherently I enjoy being around other people. Like I like my alone time for sure, but I thrive with, you know, being able to discuss things and kind of chat and have people around. So the social aspect of, of what we do is is pretty important. So over the years, it's become more and more of a, a thing. And I think there's a pretty evident transition from like the emphasis just being me and my like gig poster career to me facilitating lots of random things. What, when you say gig poster career, what do you mean? When I initially became self-employed, I was I was um, just teaching for the most part and mm-hmm. doing kind of random little bits and pieces for friends or friends of friends, whether it was like small shirt runs or poster runs. So that's where I kind of started designing, you know, gig posters for local shows as any kind of gig poster person does. <laughs> um, and that grew into me doing, fair, you know, um, flat stocks and and post affairs uh, all around the world. And through that, I met, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of other gig poster artists from all over the world. Mm. And because I grew up in Europe, I have a kind of a connection to there in, you know, just intrinsically. And so I, you know, I built kind of a nice community of, of friends and co-workers in the gig poster industry. And I did that for about 10 years and have worked for lots of you know, amazing bands and clients over the years through that specifically. And that's, again, that was kind of always the backbone of of the studio was mm-hmm. m- more music in the music industry than anything else. And that was your own work, your own design? Yeah, that was all, all me. But at the same time, we were printing stuff for all kinds of other people. Yeah. So the production aspect, 
Like there's lots of gig poster people out there who just print their own stuff and that's it. But we were a production studio as well. So if anybody needed anything printed locally or wherever else, then we could take that on. And over the years, that's become much more, you know, our business than mm. just me making gig posters. So what was the next step after that? So me doing posters turned into like me doing posters and also renting studio space. And that was where I met my ex-business partner. We opened Gallery F. And so that, that was the kind of the transition. Like I've only kind of got out of gig posters in the last like three years. Prior to that, I was still actively doing them as well as All Star, as well as all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. So the Gallery F thing kind of changed things in terms of like my connection to Chicago in and in like a physical space because we had a retail space and we were really the only the only space in the city at the time that was doing like street art and gig posters mm. that you could walk in and just buy yeah you know and it was affordable for the most part it was accessible which was kind of our goal we were open six days a week which no other gallery you know <laughs> usually yeah. is we had all of those things going for us and it was you know we were also on the strip we were on milwaukee right next to revolution and coles and a bunch of local businesses that made that whole logan square thing kind of hit we were just there at the right time right time right place mm doing the right thing <laughs> i always think that when people say the right time right place it's kind of frustrating because go on people might be listening and think i'd like to do that but have i am i not in the right time the right place but i imagine you also no. doing the right things as you say you yeah but making it happen i mean the right time right place can be any time right it's just who it is what it is mm. where it is mm -hmm. so i i think for us it was the right time right place because we got in on that strip before before Emporium came along, right? And so before the distillery came along. So we were kind of there two years before all the big boys came in and kind of made it that strip. But we were also having, not like sales-wise, but we were having shows where we'd have three to 500 people show up. Yes, yeah. I was in about one to say. evening. Like it was insane. Yeah, so did you feel as though you really tapped into an audience that wasn't being served by other galleries. Yeah, 100%. There was nobody else doing it. You know, and then you got Vertical came along and Trueborn came along. And uh, now, 10 years later, there's probably at least two dozen spaces that kind of do what we did. Anyway, so when I left there, I kind of had to kind of restructure and rethink what I was doing because mm. there was already those spaces around. Mm. I wasn't... If I was opening the same thing again, then I'd be doing, you know, just following the same kind of footsteps, which to me is um, not redundant, but I like moving forwards. So how did you do that? What did you do that was different? Sports. And what do you mean by that? In the same kind of way where there wasn't a gig poster gallery and there wasn't a street art gallery, there wasn't a sports gallery. Mm. And unlike a lot of creative people... I'm a giant sports fan. <laughs> so for me, like not only am I a, a fan, but like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a history like fan, you know, like mm -hmm. I like the statistics side of, of sports. And so I grew up in England for the most part watching, uh, well, no, not even watching football because it was never on TV because it was bought by the, uh, by the, by Sky. So as a kid, we couldn't even watch like football mm. 
You could only listen to it on the radio unless you had Sky. But every year, me and my dad would come to Pennsylvania to visit my family because uh, I'm half American. And my grandfather would take us all once a year to, to see the Phillies. So I, I grew up a giant Philadelphia fan. Mm. I like the Eagles and the Sixers and the Phillies and the Flyers. And so in the mid-90s, Channel 4, no, Channel 5 got a contract for the Major League Baseball. And it like changed my life. <laughs> so it was on the weekends, I think, and on Wednesdays. So, and it was live. So it was at like, it started at 11.30 and it ended at like two in the morning. But on school nights, I, I used to watch it pretty regularly. <laughs> you have the passion for sport, but you were also an artist. Music, sports, and art. Mm. I like my, my main, and video games, actually. Yeah, and computer games. <laughs> well, four. I probably fit into more of the stereotype in that I, work in the art world and love fine art but i don't know much about sports but when i think about the uk sports scene and then the u.s sports scene in the u.s right. they seem to have a lot more mascots visuals there's just a lot more sure. visual material there that yeah. you could use and i guess is that what you tapped into here yes and no i think it's um it was more of just the fact that like you know if you think of sports art for the most part it's pretty corny yeah it's yes, that, pretty that's tacky, what I think. Right? Yes. <laughs> so I was fully aware of that. Mm -hmm. But with the experience that I had and also the fact that like I understand I understand sports culture, or yes. I think I do. And then I also understand the art culture and lots of little things in between, whether it's music, whether it's, you know, fashion. Like my dad was in jewelry fashion for 35 years or so. And so there's like lots of little crossovers that kind of blend all of those realities a mm. little bit and, and markets. And I feel like I have a, a decent grasp of like what people enjoy might be a little bit different as well than like the same usually get. I wanted to see if I could do that differently and create a market. So could you give me an example of how you did that successfully? Combining um, the art and the sport. I took the leap. How about that? Had the faith in myself yeah. to have enough of a passion for sports and the art side of things and know enough people and have the drive and all of those things to say, yes, I think this could be a reality that I can make it work. And it was really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only kind of just in the last two years, to be honest, kind of turned the corner a little bit. Oh, really? Okay. Well, just, just from kind of where I... Where I started off when I'm, when we first opened All Star, mm -hmm. you know, I was kind of I was in the hole. Mm -hmm. I had to kind of rebuild a lot of little, lots of little things, rebuild, mm -hmm. and all of that stuff is is pretty difficult, and it takes time and a lot of effort and uh, and predominantly a lot of belief. Mm -hmm. It's a strong idea that you had and a gap that you saw in the market. So how did it work with the artists? Did you already have sure. their relationship with those artists, and how did you introduce them to creating this sort of work the artist relationship has always has, has been there for a while mm. right and and my connections to like lots of different markets has been there so i got lucky and a friend of mine knew somebody in the bulls organization and they put me forwards for an interview not an interview but like you know go meet their creative director mm. and that totally changed everything he's been like a huge catalyst for 
us as a as a brand kind of being able to to navigate in that space we got lucky but part of that luck was just me kind of keep you know i just keep pushing i always just push <laughs> so what was the result of that meeting did he commission prints from you we started the poster series for the balls okay so that's kind of where it kicked off and then from there we did a hat series which they had already done one year but it was all internalized and instead we were, i was curating i was picking the artists and helping with the designs and helping kind of just logistically make it all happen. So that was the, all the beginning of it. And then from there, we got connected to the Blackhawks. And from there, we got connected to the White Sox and then to the Bears and to the Cubs. And what sort of artists were you working with? Well, that's the fun bit is like anybody. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. That's, the, I, that's like yeah. the great thing about it because – Sure, it's sports, right? But you could put a spin on anything and turn mm. it into something that's still interesting and using different aesthetics and different, you know, mindsets and, and things that appeal to different people. And because these teams are predominantly looking for that, mm. for that cultural connection to their fan base and to grow their fan base, then it makes sense for everybody. Yes. When I think about all the artists that you have listed on your website, I've Mm -hmm. had a look at them and I'm familiar with some of them from seeing them out in the city. They are quite varied. Yeah. It must be fun looking for them. How do you find those artists? Do you approach It's through just what I've been doing for the Mm -hmm. last 15 years. I've worked with all of them in some aspect Mm -hmm. before, whether I've printed their work, whether I've asked them to help me with something or they've they've done a project with me or they've painted a wall or they've you know i met somebody at a flat stock in austin or in barcelona or you know whatever it's just like little connections yeah you know, that you make and over the years you have more and more of those little connections as long as you stay active those things have just grown and grown now over the last decade or so i mean we've worked with probably thousands of artists and dozens of brands. When I think about some of the artists, there's oft- often they are artists that work outside, they do large-scale mm-hmm. murals. Would you say that you work to- only with street artists or you don't see it in that way? No, not at all. It's so dependent on the project. We also run all of our internal printing as well and kind of our releases through All Star and all of that mm. is cu- obviously curated by me. But for like the poster stuff, for instance, I have to be cognizant of the process. You know, if we're doing a poster series for the Bears... It needs to be something that's accessible to their fan base mm. and accessible to the organization and makes sense for the artists. Each curation job is kind of a a fun little puzzle, mm. sometimes a really annoying puzzle too, <laughs> but that's what kind of keeps it interesting for me. Mm. And that's what's always been my emphasis to like work with others is mm. is the eclectic nature of like one project to the other. It can be night and day so when you're creating a poster series how much do you steer the artist or brief them how much do you choose them based on why their original work and let them you just let them run with it sure. so how's that relationship work it depends on the person i think mm. and and also on like the third party some brands are very open to to interpretation and some brands are absolutely not they want what they want when they want it you know so mm. it's uh it's so kind of uh, specific to, to the project, but mainly I try and s- spread the love a little bit where like I'm not just using the same people all the time mm, because yes. A, that gets boring f- 
for me, I guess, and it also gets boring for our fan base. Mm. And, you know, and there's just so much talent out there that it's kind of endless, somewhat overwhelming <laughs> to an extent, actually. In what way do you find it overwhelming? Just there's so many artists out there that yeah. you can work with. Yeah. Yeah. And that didn't used to be the case. You know, like when I started doing gig posters, there was like, I don't know, 50 really good ones. Mm-hmm. Now there's probably, I don't know, four or 500 really good ones who are all somewhat established. Instagram and social media has just changed all of that so mm-hmm. drastically so quickly that it's overwhelming. It's hard to kind of discern sometimes what's of, how should I, how do I put it? What's of, you know, not what's quality because that's so, that's so, you know, specific in particular, but like where to go with it because yeah. there's just so much available. Yes. Yeah. There's never been anything like it really in the mm. art scene because it's become commercialized. Mm. It's become corporate. Mm. Didn't used to be corporate. Yes, there's definitely a whole new element of that's been driven by social media and mm-hmm. corporate companies interested in working with artists yeah, that course. brings in this whole new dynamic that's still being navigated, really, by both artists and gallerists and yeah, anyone that's yeah. working in that field. It's a strange balance because it's obviously there's hundreds of artists out there who are getting paid to do great projects in theory Mm. (laughs) Um, but then it also does you know it can slightly diminish the importance of art Mm. to an extent and but yeah i don't know you can look at it so many different ways definitely and i think people's even kind of almost i don't know sort of started to realize that a bit now as well so it's not just about followers but it's about the quality of the work and the Mm. artist and the the story and integrity or whatever that yes means so if if you so if you come across an artist that you really like mm-hmm. and you've never worked with them you don't have any links with them like how would you approach them and start that conversation um, usually through an email mm-hmm. I like to keep it somewhat formal I'm almost 40 I'm a year <laughs> away from 40 so I'm kind of I'm past my prime for sure in terms of like my communications and my like tech levels Oh yeah okay So <laughs> I don't really like doing business through DMs. I don't I find it hard to track, for instance, and it's, you know, it's just like it's too loose. Mm, yeah. So I, I like to kind of try and set some precedent and do emails. Yeah. That was a long-winded answer. Sorry. <laughs> no, I was just thinking about you saying that because I think before you mentioned that it's about relationships and getting to know people, but there's always that line, isn't there, between keeping it professional as well yeah there has to be a business aspect to it because otherwise things can get messy quick as well and we have so much going on you know we're a small business but there's a lot going out the door Mm -hmm. whether it's printing wires or just all of it and so to be able to manage it all to be able to you know rein it in somewhere that helps otherwise it becomes unmanageable (laughs) lots of your artists must know each other now Yes. It's quite a community just around what you're doing. Yeah, and that's, that's you know, that's inherently like, I, I don't know, I feel like that's the point. Mm. You know, otherwise, what's, what's the point? I don't mm. know. If it's, for, if it's one, if for one person, sure, that one person can enjoy it. But if it's for, you know, 10 or 100 or whatever, then it makes more sense, I think. Mm. And you have your gallery space here. Mm-hmm. And can you tell me about some of the shows that you might do there or sure. how that works? 
again, like within the last three years, I've kind of, the, the business model's changed quite a bit. So it used to be we put on gallery shows every month and, and sometimes more. Eight years ago or so, six years ago, we were doing like anywhere from 15 to like 17 shows a year. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Which isn't, which is crazy. Yeah. So. I stopped doing that because it was crazy. <laughs> so in 2020, I actually came into 2020 not knowing what was obviously going to happen. Yes. Um, but I came into that year only having booked four shows. Mm. I was going to do one every quarter and that was going to be the new, the new all-star. So it worked out perfectly, kind of, because we went to just like producing – our own internal prints and curating that print series mm. and doing a, a show based off of that at the end of the year. And then just doing less is more theory and work kind of smarter, not harder. That doesn't always play out, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that was the idea. So we've had all kinds of shows over the years, you know, from like secret walls shows to giant, you are beautiful shows to obviously JC and sent rock and we did off you know lefty out there's first show kate lewis's first show and it's all you know all of it is kind of so cyclical which is what kind of makes it fun you know mm. like griffin initially was interning for me and like his first two weeks of interning like at right out of school was helping me and skewville from brooklyn build a pizza hut <laughs> basically like a 20 by 30 pizza store for complex con okay in my alley in my garage <laughs> and it was like 95 degrees outside <laughs> and it was horrific like it was one of the most stressful weeks of my life oh, no. and but the booth looked unbelievable like it was it was probably one of the most fun things i've also done mm. and now griffin you know has has like broken into the art scene and his work is amazing and he's doing a solo show with us so yeah. it's kind of like you know, that was four years ago mm. and it kind of came all the way back around. And there's been so many, there's so many instances of that over the years that that's where the, like the fun stuff happens. Yes. Yeah. And these artists now, I imagine you're building up a database of collectors that are interested in following their yeah. career and collecting from them. Absolutely. Yeah. That's always ongoing. Mm. You You meet new people. You you know show in new spaces and you you broaden that that scope on on a day to day basis. Hopefully, if mm. you I think if you're doing things right, and that's you know that's also a big kind of push of like why I keep it eclectic is because I'm reaching lots of different people. Yes, on yeah. a regular basis, like we yeah. reach the the sports crowd, but then we reach you know, some fine art stuff. Like yeah, you know we do work for Louis Buell and Pose and Revoke and mm. all those people as well and then we do stuff for the balls or we do stuff for a local pizza shop or whatever <laughs> you know it's just kind of it's so random but it keeps it interesting yes and i suppose if you have that more flexible approach versatile approach you can sure. take you can just take the projects you want to do in theory yeah that was always the goal back in the day it was just take everything that comes in mm. no matter what just okay, get yes. it done like yeah. figure out a way to get it done because it's going to pay the bills but now the emphasis is I don't want to take everything on because I don't enjoy doing all of the things yeah. that come come in. Mm. So I want to curate that aspect and, in theory, create our own 
you know, production, our mm-hmm. own industry, which we've done to an extent. And it's, I'd say, somewhat successful. <laughs> There's always things that can be better. I suppose I was everything. thinking about the contemporary art world and often it seems as though galleries are really restricted in that if they do something that's not in the exact direction they're meant sure. to be going, it can really damage their reputation. It just seems really tricky to navigate whereas if yeah. you're a bit more free and if you want to do a fun project on the right. side then it's not going to be a problem for the other projects you're doing sure just do what you want to do really i think there is definitely a always a push and pull as to like what to put out there mm. because there's a ton of stuff that we do that never sees the light of day nobody <laughs> ever knows that we've done that what like what what just mainly print production okay. but there's lots of little in-between things like you know, I got this person a gig and or whatever. It, I mean, it's so random. But there's lots of things that we don't push in terms of, like, we did this. Mm. You are careful with, yeah, selective content. and what you're telling. I think you have to be. Doing. You can't just shove everything out there because <laughs> that, that nobody wants that. So where would you see yourself in more of the art world, contemporary art? And that I think that's the tricky bit. I run a business that isn't pigeonholed which can be a great thing and then it can be a curse as well. So it's it's it has been like with All Star it's been finding that balance of like can we can we like push a bull's hat and then turn mm. around and push a Jason Revoke piece. Mm. Like does that make sense for us? Not sure it does. Mm. But we do it. <laughs> Especially if you're bringing in a new audience and uh-huh. you're kind of educating them about print and why the prices might be higher than they'd expect right. and not, right. they're not posters they're limitation prints and that must be hard if you're then trying to yeah sell a cap exactly <laughs> it works for the most part but there's definitely aspects that that don't and mm. so i think as as with any business it's like tweaking those little aspects for it to work better and for your audience to understand what you do but that's like part of the fun Mm. of it to an extent is yeah. is figuring all that stuff out it's also stressful but <laughs> without it it's kind of like well it, i guess it'd be too easy right going back to what i said before i i'm talking to some gallerists it just seems like there's more of a obvious route that they're going and trying to yeah. to do certain fairs and do certain shows but you can well, make your own journey a bit more i think that's a, a it's a, a reflection of me because I grew up in the art world in terms of like my mother is an art nut. (laughs) She's just like anything creative, anything visual, just anything. She just loves like learning and and seeing new things and being exposed to new things. And so I have that aspect, but then I also have like the aspect that I I don't really like shishi galleries. Mm. I've never liked them. And so I, I, that's never what I set out to be. Mm. I kind of had an in-joke that I'd buy the White Cube Gallery one day in L- London, but <laughs> that's like the opposite of what I would want to be. I kind of don't like that, that traditional sterile space. Mm. What we've done over the years with, whether it's Gallery F or whether it's All Star Press or Folk mm. Screens, like it's always been slightly, I'm going to do it whether or not you like mm. it. Yes. Kind of yeah. thing. And that's kind of who I am. Mm. You know, I'm going to push my emphasis because 
why wouldn't I? Well, it's obviously working well for you. <laughs> um, it can. It can be a little... It, yeah, it can be <laughs> tricky at times, but yeah. So I was interviewing Scent Rock in his studio space because you've mm-hmm. obviously worked very closely with him and come across him and his work through and uh, um, through All Star Press. And he was showing me some of the prints that you produced for him for a recent show that he's done. Uh, very and cool, yeah. he was showing me how you've printed them to almost look like the sketchbook mm-hmm. and it's got a torn side. Yeah, yeah. And I loved that approach. And then it, it, I suppose it occurred to me that it's really unusual the situation you're in when you're like a print studio and a gallery because you're yeah. so part of the production side, working wow. with the artist to actually make the art and shape the art. Sure. As well as then showing it. And that, right. not many people are in that position. No, and that's definitely what sets us apart is the fact that I am a working artist. I do less and less of my, my own stuff over the years, but I still do my own stuff. And I, I, I understand what it takes to like be an individual artist as a you know as well as a business owner or a gallerist or a curator or whatever else but a lot of gallerists and business people don't understand the inner workings of like making something that's a big disconnect or it can be Mm. right now obviously there's plenty of really successful galleries out there and it doesn't matter that that's the case mm. because the business of selling art can be devoid of the production aspect, right? But for me, it's in it's kind of integral. My again, it's kind of back to like my my mother understanding of how something is made mm. and the enjoyment of that, mm. the enjoyment of the process and fabrication of something. Mm. I think is really interesting. Things moving and being made. Yeah. It's it's astonishing what humans are capable of. Mm. You know, in terms of how we make things but looking around this space like you've got all the paints and everything here are you working with the artists to influence them what colors they're using because that's really shaping the artwork yeah sometimes sometimes it depends on the artist you know some people want exactly what they want Mm. and we just print it and they leave with it and Mm. they do what they want with it and that's great and there's still a process there too Right of like figuring out what that is, yeah, of, and how exactly. that how that's yeah. going to come to life, yeah, from either a painting or a, a drawing or a digital or whatever. And again, yeah. that's what keep, keeps it interesting because, like, separate of all the gallery stuff or the sports stuff or like just production wise, mm. just printing. Again, it's night and day what we work on. You know, we can do like a, a twenty five color. Peter and the Rain piece that's all diffusion dither, or we could do a four color print that's all spot colors and mm. super vectorized and is totally the opposite product. Mm. But again, for us, it keeps it interesting and it, mm. it keeps us on our toes and learning new things about the process and pushing the boundaries of what we can print and how we can produce it, how quickly we can produce it, how well we can produce it. What yeah. we can do better, <laughs> you know, all those things. I think people love seeing the behind the scenes of yeah, studios absolutely. and being in here looking at everything. It's quite a world that it's quite a mystery, I think, mm-hmm. the print world for people outside of yeah. it. I mean, you can understand artists that work in paint and putting paint on a canvas, sure, but the print world is really complex and it can be exciting, yeah, as yeah well. it can be super complicated yeah. and obviously like really industrialized, or it can be yeah. really DIY. Yes, and st- yeah, and all of the in-betweens, and they're all still legitimately fun and interesting. Mm. 
So to finish, what advice would you have for an artist that perhaps creates work similar to that that you have here at All Star Press? They want to create a successful career. What would you say to them? Figure out your taxes first. (laughs) That's number one is get a good bookkeeper. So I don't know. I think, you know, it sounds super corny, Mm -hmm. but just believe in yourself and follow follow what it is that you think is important whatever that may be whether Mm -hmm. it's something social whether it's a character or just something that excites you on a day-to-day basis and Mm -hmm. keeps you learning and keeps you meeting new people and and pushing yourself in in ways that interest you and foster i think you have to foster your own like in a relationship, whatever mm. that is, and and um, figure out how to like make it a positive thing as mm. best as possible. Yes, I think that's true. And as you said, there's so much out there now; it can uh-huh. be overwhelming. And I think for artists, it's similar in that there's almost so many directions they can go in that yeah. they can get they can it's lose endless. their voice and or it's endless comparisons. Right, so to have faith in what you're producing and especially now with you know with everything being so accessible i think it is slightly harder and harder to come up with something that's original and Mm. come up with something that's not been done before i think that's a constant struggle what do you do that's new what do you push that has not been said before or or been done before and it's really difficult because there's just so much content out there i think that can be very overwhelming it's to to try and kind of not push that stuff aside and realize that like, you know, the likes and the digital content, like it matters and it obviously builds your brand and it's going to get you clients here and there and whatever else. But inherently, you still got to do all the little bits and pieces in, in during the day mm. that isn't on social media. Yes. Yeah. And build those bridges and, and create relationships and, and make interesting things and foster the community that you're in whatever that that community is mm. and just keep pushing for for a better space great well thank you so much for talking to me today yeah it was of course. great to be here it was great to have you thanks for having me thank you for listening to this week's episode please follow all star press at all star press chicago and the podcast at the visible artist podcast I hope you have a wonderful week in the studio and I'll see you next Friday. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.